Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. On today's episode of the Writerflex podcast, we have guest Matt Hyder. He's the founder and CEO of Recoup Fitness. They're in the health, wellness, and fitness category, and they're the makers of the cryosphere. Great conversation with Matt, really inspirational on how he got the business started. Lots of examples here on hustle and not giving up. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. You still got hair, man. I know. It's so long right now. I haven't been able to get a haircut. I've had time. Right? Are they open? Can you get one? Yeah, you can now. I just, I just will walk past. I'm like, uh, I don't have five minutes. I need to go back to work. Well, that's because you're a busy entrepreneur. By the way, Matt Hyder on the Rider Flex podcast. Matt, how's it going? Are you in Denver today? Uh, I am. Yep. I'm doing oh. well. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. I'm in uh, I'm northern Colorado up near Loveland, so we're not too far away. So, so really cool story, man. I was doing my homework on you. Uh, love it. I love the fact that you're super open about your personal life a little bit too and the struggles you went through, you know, you barely getting out of high school and things like that. So I, I really, you know, I love that about you, that you, you're open. Let's, let's talk about yourself personally before we get into recoup and the business. Just tell the listeners about yourself. Give us some family, uh, early history stuff. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, I barely graduated high school uh, with a 1.9 GPA. And yes, you can actually graduate with that. Um, <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe I graduated either. Same with my, uh, same with my family, but, um, barely graduated just high school. Wasn't my thing. And I decided to make friends and have fun more than focus on education. Um, then realized as soon as high school was over, I needed to get my act together. Uh, so I started out, um, at community college in Denver where I got a, I left there with a 3.8 GPA. Um, really? so huge gap. Yeah. Huge gap wow. in difference. And, it was fun. I enjoyed now, it more. Now, was that one of those deals on the community college where they're like, okay, take this course and this course. And if you do good, then we'll let you enroll full time. Like what was the entry point since your GPA was super low for high school? Do you remember? Um, yeah, they actually didn't do any of that. It was more for me to like test out what I wanted to do with my future. And I so I took a bunch of different classes like law, which I really enjoyed because I uh. wanted to be a corporate lawyer. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shockingly then learned about it was like, nah, not really for me. <laughs> uh, by the way, <clears throat> the high school piece, was it, was it party? Like, is that, were you one of those kids? Like, okay, by 14, 15, you're like, you're already partying pretty heavy. You're getting in lots of trouble. Like, give, give me some more details there, man. More details. Yeah. Um, so when I was 14, the best story I have was I got my hands on a fake ID and <laughs> I was like, what can I do? Cause I didn't, smoke tobacco or like anything like that i was like what can i do besides like what you do at 18 it's like get a tattoo oh and so i got a tattoo my first tattoo at 14 well how what's the age for and that is 18 I, the rule i don't even know it's right oh. here in here 
Love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 18. And so my you, parents you, weren't very happy when I came back. <laughs> did you look 18? I mean, what did the guy say? What did the tattoo guy say? Um, it was, of course, a very sketchy tattoo parlor. Um, <laughs> they didn't even look at the foot, like the picture. Like the guy and I looked similar, but he looked way, way older. And I don't know how I got away with it, but it worked. Yeah, was your, was, your, was your dad pretty tough growing up? Who was the tough one, your mom or dad? Uh, my dad was, but with yeah. tough love come, like he instilled a lot of my work ethic and mm. habits I have today and mm -hmm. realizing mm. I was a rebel because he was too, was a different type then and would make me, <laughs> I learned the, he instead of doing like, oh, you're grounded for this amount of time, if I was hung over or something. It was yard work in the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he was, it was, it was a good, it was good lessons. And I appreciate all the things that he did. Hated him during them. But as right. I got older, I realized how great it was and like that tough love and keeping me in check as much as he could. Did you ever, any, any arrests, any jail time, anything huge like that? Uh, no, none of that. Um, I got a lot of underage drinking tickets though. Oh, um, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. From like four, I got, one when I was 15 and one when I was 16. And then I got one in college as well. Wow. What are those? A thousand dollars a pop? I don't even know what the cost is on that. What's the, what's, what's um, the it's a hundred dollars plus like a drinking class or community service. Oh, is so that it's all? actually not oh. that bad? Yeah. Oh. oh, I thought it was a big deal. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. They don't even deter. It doesn't even deter you from underage drinking. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll pay this and do my community service. It's not that bad. But when you were in school, I mean, your, your EQ, your emotional intelligence, your people skills, I mean, always pretty high with, with, with friends and things like that. Were you a natural leader? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I would always take charge whenever we had class projects. Um, if I didn't believe in something that the teacher said, I would argue against it. <laughs> and that is why my GPA was so low for sure. Um, I would get into very heated debates and teachers would get mad when I would win the arguments. Are there teachers right now that didn't like you that are using the cryosphere ball and they're, they're like, yeah, I never liked that guy and they're using it. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but I did have my high school counselor tell me I would amount to nothing. Ooh. And um, I remember, and I got published in like, uh, there's a local uh, company called innovation and tech uh, they distribute nationwide but based in colorado they did a piece on me and um i remember i signed it and gave it to him was like not too bad for a kid that's not gonna amount to anything huh oh, love it love it any response <laughs> probably not <laughs> oh i never said that oh i believe that you would do something you were just oh. misguided it's like yeah 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 <laughs> All right, I get it. Wow, wow. Okay, so had a lot of fun in high school, made it through, went to community college, got your shit together, basically, came out with some pretty solid grades, and then thought you might want to be an attorney, but still playing around with stuff, and then, and then what, got into CU to finish up? Yeah, so went uh, to CU Boulder and quickly <clears throat> learned I didn't want to be a lawyer. I, want, I was more on the political side of things to make change. So I worked in politics for a little bit and realized oh. what – what I wanted to do, I needed to make a lot of money first and really learn the world and the business and take a step back before I could truly make an influence and an impact in the world um, in politics. Really? So that was the goal you wanted. To, okay. I didn't know that about you. So, 
how do I make a lot of money so I can make an impact politically was the early goal. Is that still the goal, by the way? Um, it is a little bit um, when I, especially now, as you see how messed up everything's are, how yeah. messed up everything is. Right. Um, and so probably when I'm like 60, it'll be my, re- called my retirement job. But <laughs> my goal is to make enough, like I want to make enough money in my life where I don't have to go to big money for, to run my campaigns. I can do all of that and not be influenced by all these other means because I have the means to survive. I don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot to get there because mm-hmm. political campaigns now, back when I was in college, it was like a million dollars to become a house representative. Um, but now it's like two to 3 million to run those campaigns and mm-hmm. do all of that. But I, I only want to do house representatives. I don't want to be the Senate. I don't want to do anything okay. else like that. Okay. Cause the house of representatives, you go back to the people more like, you need to be in front of your constituent basis so much more because you're up for re-election every two years. And so that's why I would only do that side, not the Senate of six years, I president, see. none of that stuff. <clears throat> but that's why, that's why you majored in political science because I saw that on your, on your background. So that was your, your interest there. Yep, it was. Okay. I wish I got the degree, but I didn't. Oh, okay. So you never actually got the degree. Correct. Well, there's, um, a, there's, I, there's, a, there's a few other famous rich people that, 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 that are in the same boat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dropped out my last semester of my senior year of college. Um, actually, the 49ers wrote me a check for a recoup, and I decided I'm going to risk it. I, I'm I good to go. go. Back to school. I, I'm good yeah. to go. <laughs> By the way, does any of the political stuff or the entrepreneurial stuff tie to your parents or anything that they did for a living? I'm just curious. Um, no, not at all. Um, the entrepreneurship, or on my parents' side, um, on the entrepreneurship side, it does. Uh, back in 2017, when Brandon Marshall was taking a knee for the uh, as a form of silent protest of the injustice that we're seeing today and back then, he lost all these sponsorships. And we were actually the first company to support him and get uh, as a business. And we got some backlash from it. But really? now you see what's going on in the world. And I've I stood stuck by my guns then and still do now. And uh, good supporting for you. that cause for good, sure. Good for you. Walk us, walk us into this entrepreneurial thing. So you're in college, you're, doing, you're kind of doing your thing. Did, were you saying to yourself, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. Or walk us through how that happened and how Recoup eventually was developed. Because I think you tried to start a couple of other things before. So walk us through some of that. Yeah. So it started when I was interning for the former Lieutenant Governor of Colorado, Barbara O'Brien. Okay. on our DPS school campaign and just saw a lot of inefficiencies. I was like, how can I make this better? And that was my first real taste at like 19. Tried to do some stuff there, failed miserably. Um, but I, was, I knew I was on the right path. And so tried four or five other businesses and just learned along the way. Of, I'm not in tech. I don't like tech. I like to create things and build things. And so I got pivoted towards the consumer product goods side. And the best lesson I ever learned was create for yourself, not others, Mm. because you can fully understand the problem and create the correct solution. And you care more because it's your problem. And honestly, if you fail at it, your life is better because you solved your own problem. Luckily for us, we had people that had the same problem. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And what was it? Tell me what happened. Did you get injured? Uh, I was a former athlete in the loose sense of the term, um, <laughs> just, um, uh, and tried all like, just caught a, ba- uh, was playing basketball one day and caught a knee, tried all the recovery methods of like foam rolling and ice cups. 
um, and a lacrosse ball, none of them gave me the relief I was looking for. So okay. I was like, hmm, how can I make the all three of these products? What are the biggest problems with all three of them? Mm-hmm. And then that's how I was able to create the first product with the cryosphere. By yourself, walk us through, how, were you just like, is it you? You're like, you're drawing this up or, or t- talk to me. How, how did you do that? Um, I just kind of won it. Um, I think that's a big thing in entrepreneurship that you see. Everyone's like, how do you start? How do you start? There's no right answer. Just try. Right. That's mm-hmm. the way you start. But um, I got a stainless steel ball with um, from China, drilled a hole in it, filled it with gel, and then got a sprinkler cap from Home Depot and just tried out the methodology. It was like, okay, this works. How do I make it way better? And that's how it started. It was an $8 prototype. Were you, were you always creative like that? Was, is that, was that your nature? Uh, yeah, I would, I always solved my own problems okay. um, as a okay. kid. And that definitely okay. derives from my dad. Like he would always create stuff, always grew up watching him and try to invent things. But <clears throat> I realized I'd solved my own problems. And when I got, got in trouble and got grounded, I didn't want to watch TV or play video games. So I would do random, like build things to occupy my time. <laughs> Sorry. So you get this ball, you get this ball, you're making this now at the same time, are you going online and trying to find like competitors or similar product? Are you, are you doing your homework on all that at the same time? Yeah, I am. Um, once I started creating it and then got it tested out by some trainers just to see the con- if they like the concept, um, I was starting to sell them, hand make them, but then I was doing research at the time because the thing is like, I just, people get so bogged down and look for an excuse not to do stuff. So right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put that barrier in between me and what I was doing at the time. So I wanted to get traction and like, see if it actually worked and then dove into the other side. Which I think, it, which is exactly what you should do. Great advice for the listeners. Now, so let me, let me make sure I understand. You built some prototypes on your own, very low cost. So low, low cost to get these things built. And then you called trainers you knew. Did you like knock on doors? <clears throat> did you have these huh. relationships? Did you, did you have these relationships or how did you? Uh, yeah. Talk to me. N- none of that. Um, I built it without any relationships. Um, I literally just emailed trainers in Colorado. I was like, Hey, I have an idea. I have a terrible prototype, but do you have like five minutes of your time? Tell me if it's going to work or not. And like, luckily, um, the first guy was, his name was Robin Balkenbra. He, uh, was at, uh, Purdue as assistant athletic director, pretty big resume. And then he ended up going to Chauncey Billups D one. Um, and he believed it was like, I like the concept. He's like, he's like, I hate the prototype. I love the concept. And so that's what I kept doing was calling and emailing and people just wouldn't respond. So I would show up and say, Hey, do you have five minutes? I've emailed you a bunch of times. Okay. Now let me, let me, let me take a pause right there. Cause this is great for the entrepreneurs that want to get started. I love this about So hustle right here's the first hustle sign, right? So, but by the way, how'd you get these lists? Were you just like on Google, like looking up trainer list? How how did you get the numbers and the emails? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just, uh, just through Google searching like athletic trainers in Colorado. Now, are you, are you in the parking lot waiting for the trainer to like walk out of the gym and like, Hey, Hey John, how'd you do this? (laughs) Um, no, I would actually just show up and knock on the door, um, and just say, Hey, I've emailed you a couple of times. Like, do you have a, do you have five minutes? And they'd say, I have one client, like come back later. I was like, Oh, I'll just wait. And I would sit there and wait until they, until they had to meet with me. 
Love it, bro. And then you did your, and then you did your pitch and handed them a sample and said, Hey, use it. I just want to know no cost to you whatsoever. Just, I just want your opinion on it. Uh, yeah. So actually the first prototype I only had one cause I was poor. I was a broke <laughs> college kid living back at home, student debt, all of that fun stuff. And so I was like, Hey, I just give me your opinion about it. And then I, st and then once I did that and I got enough proof that they liked it, um, I went and started figuring out how can I hand make them? How can I produce things in low quantities and give them to them? So then I once I did that, I went back and like get, gave them iteration after iteration for feedback and was able to keep growing from there and make now, the product you, better. Did you have your LLC? I mean, was there an official company set up at this point or not? Not yet. Not yet. Um, it was started in January and we didn't get our LLC until like June. When you were handing out these samples, were you worried they were going to like copy it or like take your idea? Were you making them sign NDAs, anything like that? Uh, no, cause they'll, you'll get laughed out of the room and I th <laughs> and like, Hey, sign this NDA for me to pitch you a product. Like, no, you, it, it was so bad and ugly. It's like, there's no way that they're going to, there's no way that they're going to take this. And I was like, I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking for proof of concept proof and of concept. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of people need to do is don't go to your friends and family. Cause you always have a good idea. Go to random people. They'll tell you that your idea sucks or not. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. Let's take a pause right there for the listeners. Wonderful advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Several things you're hearing here from Matt. Number one, I didn't even have my LLC set up. I had an idea. I'm looking to see if other people like it and I need to get some feedback on it. I'm trying to do proof of concept. So I'm not going to worry about setting all this crap up. I just want to even see if people like this first. Love that. You also didn't worry about, oh, I got to protect it and the, you know, NDAs and all this other stuff. You're like, I'm not doing any of that. I want to see if anybody uses this and anybody likes it. And if they do, then I'll worry about the other stuff. I think that's great. I think more entrepreneurs should do that. I think a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and co-founders, they spend way too much time trying to set a bunch of crap up and uh, spending money on lawyers for paperwork and, uh, you know, trying to draw up a five-year financial model when they haven't even handed their product to anybody to see if they like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's kind of crazy. You see people raising millions of dollars or like going out and they don't even have a product. Like it's just a slideshow. Like, nah, <laughs> go back and like create a product, see if it's good, see if people actually like it. I, I think that's awesome advice. Okay. So, by the way, how are you living and paying the bills at that point? A little support from the parents? Is that, is that how you're surviving and eating? Okay. Yeah. So um, moved back home with my parents. Um, food and all that was paid for. And then I was actually working a job. I was working um, as a bar back at night. Um, to I'd run the business during the day and then work at night. See, now that's hustle, everybody. Hustle. He's working at the bar at night and during the day he's like hunting down trainers and like knocking on their door and saying, Hey, try my product. I love that, man. That is a great story. By the way, are you handing the sample across the bar to the patrons and saying, Hey, try this. Tell me what you think. Uh, no, I was actually just trying to be as super nice as I could so I could get more money from them and increase <laughs> tips so I could get out of there sooner. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, man. Cool. I really appreciate you sharing some of that early stuff. Tell me, when is there like a turning point, either like when you, when you started the business or you got your first major order, walk us into some of the, you know, the, the first huge turning points for the business. Um, the biggest turning point for the business in my entire life was 
um, pitching the San Francisco 49ers. Um, how'd, you, how'd you even get that meeting, by the way? <laughs> hustle again. So um, <laughs> I emailed an investor. His name was Courtney Rem. Um, he's big, to, he's big now, sold a company for hundreds of millions of dollars. Awesome guy. Okay. Um, still a good friend and mentor, but, um, yeah, I just emailed him on LinkedIn was like, Hey, I have this idea, this concept. I don't really know how to raise money yet. Like, can I pitch you? He was in LA. I had a friend out there. And so kept talking to him, kept bugging him kind of bullshit. I definitely bullshit him. I was like, Oh, I'm out in LA all the time. <laughs> it, blah, blah, blah. I was I like, yes, yeah, so let me know whenever you're free. And he emailed me on a Wednesday was like, Hey, if you're in town, I may have like 30 minutes for you on Friday. And I was like, yep, I'll be in town. Took that as a yes. Flew to LA that Thursday night and then got a tech. And I was still, maybe, I didn't know if I was going to have the meeting yet or not. And then had him, um, and then he texted me like right around 9 a.m. Uh, on Friday. was like, hey, be here at three. You have 30 minutes. Pitched him. He bought it on the spot. Gave me a hundred bucks. Came back to Colorado, made the product, sent him $120 back and said, here's a return on your investment already. Ooh, and, ooh, I love that move, bro. Ooh, that's nice. I like that little touch right there. That little stuff like that makes a huge difference. I bet that really impressed him. By the way, when you say pitch, did you have like a PowerPoint deck and all this other stuff? Or you just, you just walked no, in there I, and said, hey, man, here, here I am. Yep, I was like, here I am. I don't know a lot. I know you play in this space. Can I get advice? Like, what? And coolest guy ever. And like, I appreciate him. Like one day I'm going to get him to invest in something I'm going to create. Not yet, but one day okay. that's my okay. goal. Uh, but, um, it. all right. Great. Meeting. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that story. So go ahead. And then that, that somehow that opens the door to the Niners somehow. Yeah. So random. Uh, so he's going up to the 49ers meet with Jed York mm -hmm. brings the product to him. And I, he told me that. And so I decided I'm going to call Jed York every single day for three weeks and finally his assistant picked up and she was like you keep calling what is this um about and then told her so then the next day i uh sent her flowers uh like i did some research about her and oh, knew that she it. loved calla lilies and loved the color purple so i sent her purple or sent her calla lilies with purple roses like thank you so much for just taking the time to talk with me um, but, and so, then about three days later, she was like, Hey, you're on Jed York's schedule. And <laughs> so it oh worked. Oh my God. That, that is such a great story. By the way, to all those salespeople out there that don't know the true meaning of hustle and getting creative to earn a meeting. There you go. Right there. Perfect example. <laughs> I can't imagine what it must be like to be a salesperson for your company now. I can almost see you in a meeting when one of your salespeople, you know, they come up and they're like, oh, I, I can't get any meetings today. And you're looking at them like, okay, <laughs> let me teach you some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lack of hustle doesn't survive in, in the business for sure. Like, oh my God. What a great, what, what a great story. It. When she called you and said, you're on the schedule. Did you go out that night? Did you call your friends? And you're like, Hey, me, we have to go to happy hour. Like right now. Was that a big celebration? <laughs> uh, no. Um, it was like, all right, what do I got to prep? I have a phone call uh -huh. in a week. So I prepped everything, got on the phone with Jed and he's like, I like the concept. Um, he, and so awesome guy. I know people talk about him in the media and all of this stuff. 
but personally dealing with him, one of the coolest, nicest guys um, really? out there. Really, awesome. like media portrays people so differently than who they are when you get to know them. But he gave me a shot when he shouldn't have. I was a nobody. And did you was that meeting in person goes, or on the phone? Was that in person or on the phone? That um, it was on the phone. Okay. And then um, he said he's like um, preseason was about to start, and he was like, hey, we're playing the Broncos during preseason. Um, we're gonna be in town. How about you come pitch our trainers? And I go to the, they're staying at the Westin in downtown. Um, cops are everywhere. And they, uh, I'm like sitting down there. And then I asked the cops, like, hey, I have a meeting up here. And they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> and then the 49ers, uh, v, or, uh, he was the v, uh, VP of operations, came down and grabbed me, brought me back up. And I'm sitting in the room. And you have all these pro athletes in the back and 12 trainers and just me pitching oh. these guys. And oh, they they're, all, they're, all, they're all there for you. They're all like, okay, bro, give us your pitch. Um, I wish the pro athletes were, but they were actually just getting treated on. Um, but the trainers oh. stopped treating them to like, listen to what I pitched. So I don't know what Jed said, but I appreciate everything of that. Cause I had all 12 trainers attention and, they loved it enough that they actually gave me an order on the spot. Oh it was one of the coolest experiences ever. I'm trying to visualize it right now. I wish you could have, oh God, I wish that was recorded, right? Don't you wish you could have video recorded that? Now, I'm, I'm imagining, so it's a room. They're working on people in the background. You come in, they're told, hey, you need to listen to this kid. And they're probably like, okay, whatever. And are, are they kind of like half listening at first? And then when you start talking, you're drawing them in and then, you're drawing them in closer? Uh, no, it was actually really, it was really, really cool to see the level of respect and attention that they gave me for no reason. Like I was pitching them and trying to sell, sell them, but like the trainers had questions. They asked how to use it. They were so attentive to it. It was really, really amazing to see that. And like it, I was nervous as hell. Oh, like I, I was bet. sweating, sweating. I, I, and I was in a suit. They like probably sweating through the suit at the time, but they made me feel so comfortable and like they just generally cared. And I was so like, good. this is, I was like, it made the pitch so much easier because it wasn't saying what's wrong with the product. And they were like throwing out suggestions on how to make it better. And it was awesome. Was there like, did you have handout material? Did you have a PowerPoint or is just you standing there with the product and demoing? Um, it was me with four 3D printed products at the time and gave them to them and they tried them, they used them. And they're like, well, what about this? What about this? Like the designs, all of this type of stuff. And they gave great feedback, but they loved it at the end of the day. And it was so cool. And I will, mm -hmm. I'll never forget that experience um, and, as long as gave, I live. And they gave you an order, but meanwhile, you don't even know how you're going to produce them. How big was the order? Uh, 12 units. 12 units. Okay. Was there anybody personally waiting for you in the parking lot? Like a friend, your parents, was there anybody like downstairs? Like, okay, man, go for it. I'll meet you down here. Uh, no, I actually kept the meeting under wraps. I didn't want anyone to know. Really? And I wanted to handle it. I was just like, I don't want to count it before it happens. And I remember walking out of the building and calling my parents and I had to sit down. Like I was physically in tears of like, <laughs> holy shit people work their entire life to get pro wow. pro teams to buy the product and yeah you can give them to them but rarely do they purchase it like wow. these people work their entire life to do it and i just did it 
as my first client and like even talking about it, it's giving me goosebumps again, <laughs> but like it brought me to tears and I sat down and was like, holy shit, I have something big here and dropped out of college as soon as that check came in. How about that? Congratulations, man. What a special moment. Wow. Okay, cool. And that was your first, was that your first check? Uh, yeah, I would say my first real customer, like everyone else was like lower level, like direct to consumer of like, Hey, uh, if you purchase this now for proof of concept, I'll give you a better one in the future, but that never, so never like that. And that's so great. Like I said, that, that's why I dropped out of college. I love it, man. What a fantastic story. Dude, let's do this then. G give the uh, listeners an overview of recoup as it is today. Um, talk, just give us a company overview and the products you're selling and kind of as it is today, if you don't mind for anybody that may not, may not know. Yeah. Um, today's going to be a little different. So we develop uh, innovative recovery products. Our first product is the cryosphere. It's a stainless steel ball filled with cooling gel. Um, it has a free rolling handle, leave it in the freezer and it'll stay cold up to six hours. And then we just released our second product late last year. Um, the cryo sleeve and where we partner with BOA technologies, the dial system you'll see on golf shoes, other braces, uh, same thing. Just leave it in the freezer. It'll stay cold up to an hour fits on your arm or your leg. And then you just press down and twist on the BOA system. And it's, it's the coolest product we have out there. And we're doing a lot more innovation around that, um, here shortly. Um, as the business stands today, I am a one man show. It's right just now. you, no, no employees. Uh, yeah, we had uh, some stuff went on internally that not, a, not legally allowed to discuss, but okay. there was a huge turnover and kind of hitting the reset button, but we're already working with some amazing people that want to get behind the business and what we want to do. And it's, I feel very, very lucky to be working with these experts right now. That's great. So you were maybe some contractors or consultants, or you're just kind of partnering with some people, but no new W2 employees yet. Nope. No new W2 yep. employees went from a staff of six down to one. Okay. And you, what you just outsource your marketing and your, your accounting is kind of outsourced to or whatever. Uh, yeah. So actually we bring that in house. Luckily, um, one of my early investors, her name is Carolina Gash. She's big time in the oil and gas space at the okay. age of 28 was raising $300 million funds for mergers and acquisitions. Did like did stuff for OPEC. She's, badass and awesome. she's uh, my right hand with everything right now and diving in deep and very very lucky to have her on board and then right. um then a couple other consultants here and there um new one is chris mackler he okay. actually uh, marketed my fitness pal for under armor and make made it the number one downloaded fitness app oh you're surrounding yourself with some great talent how um so how old is the business now um, so technically we are five years old. Um, okay. but in reality, since we started selling, we'll say 2016, we're right around four years. Okay. And can you speak to revenue? I know it's a private company. Can you, yeah. you want to, do you want to share Go ahead. Um, so yeah, in 2016, we did about $85,000. 2017, okay. we did 451,000. Nice. 2018 was 827,000. Awesome. And then last year was our biggest year of growth where we did uh, over 4 million in revenue. Wow. Very nice. Great. Awesome growth, my man. And so you're making money. You're profitable. Uh, not profitable, um, but we're making money and growing. So 
And, so, and how are you surviving then if you're not earning well, cause you're paying, so you're paying yourself a small salary probably of something, maybe something small. Yeah. Um, I'm paying myself pretty all right. Um, for, okay. for that. But of course with everything going on, my salary has been dropped by, it'll drop by over 35%. Yeah. Um, yeah. so we can get top level people in here. Um, the thing is with pr profitability is it's as you grow, that quick uh, profitability kind of goes by the wayside, especially Understood. in the CPG space um, as well. Beyond profitability, is just your cash flow of things because mm -hmm. um, you have to order things ahead of time. So it messes with your cash flow. So we've we have to get creative on what to do. And um, it's how, how much cash have you raised over time? Can you speak to that? Yeah, we've raised uh, two point three million dollars uh, okay. to date. So it's been pieced together. We okay. last year was the first year we've really had a big chunk at once. Everything else was like $25,000 to survive. It was always survival um, yep. until yep. last year. Yep. Talk to us about that big raise. Can you speak to the investor or at least share the story of when you're at dinner asking them for the check? <laughs> uh, I wish it was dinner. Um, <laughs> everyone makes, uh, you've seen the headlines all the time. Oh, they raised this amount of money. Mm -hmm. Reality is it doesn't work like that. Um, mm -hmm. it is a game of throwing out as many lines as you can and seeing what bites and then what bites you have to put all your time and energy into that flying across the country, going to meetings, whining and dining, um, <sighs> raising money is not fun. And <laughs> like people that see this glamor of, Oh, they raised $10 million at this evaluation. Like, yeah, that may be the case, but a lot, that's not the reality of 99% of the businesses It's right. Okay. What lead do you have? How do you go after that lead and how do you get them to write a check? How many pitches did you have to do before somebody actually gave you that big check? Do you remember? Um, I pitched probably 1500 people <laughs> and yeah, I pitch a lot, uh, 1500 people and I think our cap table is close to like 25 people in total. So I've received roughly 1,725 no's. Wow. And by or, the way, sorry, 1,425 no's. Two, two good notes for aspiring entrepreneurs. Number one, yeah, you have to pitch a lot before you actually get a yes. And then when people do invest, managing the cap table, right? And, and, you know, 25 investors or 25 people that have given you money that also turns into somewhat of a part-time job, wh whether it's communication or whatever, right? Cause uh, you got to kind of keep them informed and those are relationships you have to manage that. That is, that's another, that's another huge piece of the job, right? <laughs> yeah. And relationship management is a lot of it. Um, in the start when you raise money is okay. For me, well, just for me personally is when I, I've turned down money before because I just, we didn't, I don't like what they said or it just wasn't the right fit. But yeah, yeah. so the investors I'm close with are the biggest stakeholders, but they, I value them. And mm -hmm. I think a thing that entrepreneurs get, they get this big head as you get money, you get success, you get all these flashy things, but, and then you drink the Kool-Aid. I've drank the Kool-Aid before early on. It kicked me in the teeth and I had to learn from it. But I go to my investors like, hey, I don't know how to solve this problem. Here's what I'm thinking. What is your advice? Okay. And I do that with the board. I always go back to them for advice and help. And mm -hmm. I think that's part of like that. Hus the hustle changes as you grow in success. And to me, it's learning as much as I can. Like luckily, 
um, AJ Vaynerchuk uh, that helped build VaynerMedia as uh, one of our investors. Oh, and really? I have to be a, yep. Uh, coolest guy ever. Like he's a good friend um, beyond just an investor was like, Hey, going through a lot of stuff. I need to be a COO right now. I need a crash course. Gave me 30 minutes and was like, prioritize. Here's what to do. All of that. And that's why you get these people involved is mm-hmm. surround yourself with brains that are way, way smarter than you and shut up and listen. That's the key. Shut up and listen and digest and go back and get true and get true help from them. Great advice. So many founders, especially if they created the product themselves, they end up thinking they know everything. They try to surround themselves with good people, but they just won't listen because, because, well, I created this, so I'm the smartest person in the room. So I know what to do. Right. I see that all the time. Great advice for the listeners. Really good stuff. Okay. So at this point, I mean, by the way, $4 million, I think you said last year. I mean, yep. that's a, Hey, that's a great business. Congratulations to get it to that point. Thank you. Right. I mean, really, and you're paying yourself, you're feeding yourself, you're paying your own bills. Um, like you said, maybe not hugely profitable, but when you're, when you're scaling up the business to your point, profitability is however you adjust the numbers based on what you're investing in, whether it's payroll or marketing or, or whatever. What you got any big moves coming up with product or launches or anything you want to share uh, that's coming up down the down the road? Um, yeah, it's gonna be extremely boring. We're gonna figure out how to become profitable. Um, <laughs> this uh, with uh, with everything that's going on in the world right now, it's you can't be scaling and growing like you used to. Mm-hmm. And now is the time to really stay, take a step back, reset, and grow the business the correct way. Um, so that's what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. it's not glamorous. It's to me, it's really fun because I get to see all the problems and solve for them, but that's what you got to do when time, like as times change and like go with it. Um, we were supposed to release a couple of new products this year. That's not happening with everything going on and it's time to reset and rebuild. And we're still going to, we're still going to have year over year growth, but I have to get what takes companies and people a year to do, I have less than a month to get it done. So I'm working well over hundred hours a week, sleeping at the office, but it's fun. Like this is what I love about it. By the way, married kids, family, anything for you right now? Uh, no, I I met an amazing woman late last year in September. Uh, her name is Leah. She's an entrepreneur as well. And she gets it. She's been through all the ups and downs recently. Um, it's been I'm very, very lucky to have found her and have her in my life. Is she helping you with the business? Uh, she's not, but she's helping me with support and yeah. being there. And she did actually early on. Um, what's kind of crazy is I lost my mom last oh, year. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And it was tough, but um, what's, I met her on a Tuesday, actually with Paul Foley. That was previously on your cast at his party on Tuesday. Cool. Met that night. And then... Um, a, less than a week later, my mom passed away Oh man! and she, we had a date planned for a wedding and I was like, I just needed to get out and like be around happiness and not yeah. be sunk in this hole. And she was just there for me and she's cool. been there for me every step of the way. And it was the toughest experience I've ever had, but I wouldn't have done it. wouldn't be able to make it without her. And I'm very, very lucky to have found such an amazing woman that supports me and is generally there for me, but has her own life and goes and crushes it in the entrepreneurship space as well. 
we connect you know, on a very weird level. Thank you for sharing that. Really important for, for aspiring entrepreneurs to understand if you're going to start a business, which is, by the way, 100 times harder than just being an employee for somebody. If you're going to start something and, 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 and be a startup founder, you better have a, a spouse or a, a, a girlfriend, boyfriend relationship. You better have some sort of relationship that is super supportive and understanding or else it's just not going to go well because you're going to work all the time as an entrepreneur. And if they don't understand it, if they don't get it, if they don't support it, your life's just going to be miserable, miserable because it's hard enough to be a startup founder already. If you're getting pressure at home because you're not spending enough time there or whatever, it's just going to, it's going to make it worse. It's absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely critical. Yeah. And even before I dated her, I dated someone that was, opposite of that and was you're not hearing up all of this stuff and god it was miserable and put me <laughs> in a bad mood but yeah like ha going from that to what i have now it's amazing and that stability is key because this job is such a mental battle of ups and downs like hour to hour you need to have that stability or figure out what it is or that set of motivation um to keep going when times get tough couple of Summary pieces of advice for entrepreneurs that have an idea but haven't started yet. If you had to, and I know you could, we could do like a two-hour podcast on that question alone. But <laughs> if you if you had to just throw out a couple of, you know, strong pieces of advice for somebody listening that you know maybe they've maybe they have a product of some kind but they haven't really done anything yet, what would you tell them? Go out and do it. Stop making excuses and start. Entrepreneurship. I can't remember who said it, but it's like a pretty famous quote. Entrepreneurship is jumping off a cliff and figuring out how to build the plane on the way down. Just go for it. Like, what do you have to lose? A no rejection. Welcome to life. That's, <laughs> that's how life is. You're going to get kicked in the teeth, get back up and keep going. Just start. Like, especially now there is, we're living in a crazy time with the, with all the injustice that's going on. We go from coronavirus to this, like, why not start and innovate? Why like yeah. we need more positivity and happiness in the world. And I'm a firm believer. And when you find out what you love to do, you don't work at all. And I tell that to my friends all the time. Like if you're not happy, quit, go find what you love to do. Like life changes when you do what you love. It, it truly, truly does. And you'll find out early on with entrepreneurship, if you love it or you don't. Why don't they quit? You know, I, I talk to people like that and, and I'm like, yeah, just so quit your job and do it. Like, just go for it. But they won't, you know, they're just scared. I, I don't know if it's the material things that they're wrapped up into or they're fully leveraged on whatever car payments and homes and whatever. And they're just scared. So they just won't, they just won't, they won't jump off the cliff. Like you said, most of them won't. <laughs> yeah. And I think you should. Yeah. It's scary. But you may lose, you may lose it, but what happens if you're right? What, like, instead, I think that's the way people, it's changing that mindset. People always think, what happens if I fail? What happens if I fail? What happens if I'm right and I succeed? What does your life turn into? Mm -hmm. With me, I jumped and my life turned into something I, I dreamed about, but it's even better than I ever dreamed. Yeah. I'm hanging out with pro athletes, doing like changing the world, like doing all these amazing things that the if I looked at it, what if I failed, I would have never been here now. The first time I see you on, uh, on TV, hanging out with the, a super famous athlete, I'm going to like text your cell phone and be like, Hey bro, <laughs> I, 
I know you. I know you. <laughs> um, uh, how about just one or two lines for first-time CEOs? And, and, and I think, because I, I really think what happens is people have an idea, they get started, they built a product with a co-founder, maybe they get some money, and then all of a sudden, they have 10 employees, and they're like, oh, shit, okay, I'm uh, a manager now and a CEO for the first time, and I have no experience or training at that whatsoever. Any advice for those guys? Um, I would say first and foremost, like the CEO titles thrown around a lot and it's, uh, but the thing is like to become a real CEO, I feel like it's a badge of honor of you go from, in my opinion, inventor, founder, or inventor, entrepreneur to founder to a CEO. Mm. And I think the thing is don't like work for that title. Don't just throw it up there and say, I'm a mm. CEO Good. work for it because it feels better when you earn that title and what you have to go through. And as you become a CEO, read and surround yourself with people that know what they are doing. Because I've failed in that 100%. I surround myself with people, but I didn't know how to be a CEO at the time. And I'm still learning how to do it. But I'm now I have all these people around me that are teaching me how to become a better leader, teaching me how to run the business, teaching me how to organize, like go surround yourself with that. Like you can read all the books, you can do all of that. Go get those people that will truly teach you and help you and guide you to becoming a CEO. Like I've made a lot, a lot of mistakes, but I have these people that are helping me get over them and yeah. getting me to that next step and level. And the thing too is when you get to that position, realize you are not better than anyone. And you need to still be looking at customer service to figure out problems. Like don't lose the things that got you to that point. Keep those going. Um, you may not do them as much and it will change, but do it from time to time to like realize why you're here, what this is truly about and not this title and fame, all of that stuff. And so love I know it. it's a very long winded answer, but uh, no, love it. Great advice. advice. <clears throat> Great advice. What I love about you, Matt, is you're, you're a hustling, creative guy that, you know, won't take no for an answer and will just get after it. And I'm sure you are a type A opinionated person, but you've learned how to listen even better than you did before. And you're humble enough to say, yeah, I, I made plenty of mistakes. I'm learning from those and I'm growing and I'm trying to surround myself with people that can educate me. I love that about you. Last question here as we're almost out of time. If you could define your core purpose in life and put it into a sentence, you know, why you're on this planet, so to speak, um, what would that sound like? Um, I want to change the world. And it's a very big thing. A lot of people say it. And so I started out with that. I want to change the world. How do I do it? To me, it's creating the future. So that's through product, innovation, all of that. So when we die off is the next generation can look back and say, oh, what did these people create or what did they do to make mm -hmm. the world better, making it a better place and changing it because we're all going to die. Reality yep. of the situation. Yep. Um, and so how can we leave this place better than than when, we, or than when we started with it. And I truly believe that like my next business is going to be funding the next set of innovators and like helping them through it. Like that's how I plan on changing the world is helping people create the future. Love it. 
Matt, super happy for you, man. Congratulations on everything that you've built so far. Awesome product. Um, really respect your, your, your hustle. You know, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. There's so many things that people can learn from you on this podcast. Appreciate you sharing the advice. And thanks for being on the Rider Flex podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.